first UK Tuk Tuk challenge, I Whoa. think. Uh, I'm Phil, I'm a volunteer with the Rosa May Foundation, the UK Tuk Tuk challenge. Is it a race? Yes. I get that all the time. It is absolutely not a race. This show is sponsored by Waterside Calligraphy. Beautiful writing brought to life on the page. Hello and welcome to the second part of the UK Tuk Tuk Challenge. Most of the group are still at Devil's Bridge and as we exit back onto the top bridge and the main road, we look down at the punch bowls and talk clog eye gold. Punch bowls are down there. Oh, I see. Yeah. You can see where they're basically yes. being so cut. Each one, is, there are a number of punch bowls. That's so it. Exactly like that's one, for example. And what you'll find is that's basically where the old waterfalls were. Yeah. Because that's where it was carved out at the base of the waterfall. And as the water comes down and swirls... Ah, right, those are the bait, those are actually the bases. Yeah. I get it, yeah. And each one of those would have been where it's been cut back over yeah. the centuries. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they uh, were just saying they've closed that side at the moment for health and safety reasons. Right. And there was another bridge down there, yeah. a little wooden footbridge. Okay. Amazing. Where you find the gold in those countries. Yes. Part of this goes clog eye gold. Yeah. Um, it's more, further up. Yeah, it's more the Brecon than uh, yes. yesterday. No, further north. Clog eye gold. So no gold in this area? It would be a little bit, but not a lot. I've just spent five and a half grand on it, John. It's definitely a bit further up. To buy a plot? What have you bought? What have you spent five and a half grand? Buy a wedding ring. Oh, and gold, right. But it was, okay. it was, it, it was, was built for us, yeah. Right, okay. So Welsh gold. Welsh gold. And is that a lot more expensive than...? Um, it is. It is a little bit more expensive. Not as expensive as people think. Um, but if you're getting one-off pieces made, yeah. it was... Obviously, I'm supposed to get married this June. Uh, that's not going to happen, yeah. quite obviously. So we've, we've got it going on next June now. Um, and Donna, my partner's never, never really been into sparkly things, but she just fancied this one style of ring. So we said, well, we both work out. It's, you know, that, fortunately for us, something like that is very much um, something you would hand down. It's not just a piece of jewelry. It's one of those kind of things that um, will only gain in value over years because obviously the gold is going to run out at some time. There will always be a reserve left for royalty. Um, all the royal wedding rings are made out of clog eye gold. Um, so as it diminishes over the years, obviously the value will go up. And they have opened one new small mine. So they are kind of thinking what they thought would carry on as a business in their, in their original mine. Um, now no longer will withstand the thing. How do they prove the provenance of... That got of the gold. How do they prove that it's come from where it's come from? It's clog eye will only sell clog eye. The so business you have will to only buy sell it from the, that's the only place. Yeah, that they, sells. they they have outlets. Yeah. So um, there's a shop in like one of the big malls in Cardiff, say. Right. Okay. So you can go in there and you can buy from a number of different manufacturers, all the rest of it. But there's some little traits um, of clog eye gold with some of the things they do with it. Everyone, I think, it's a little hard. Okay, so sure, it's, it's a little hall, separate. Like the hallmark, in the hallmark, it's in the hallmark. Right. Um, 
but there's also little traits you know if you're gonna buy um, a particular type of car all the Peugeots will have one particular style of something yeah. um, and likewise this I'm sure it's a little it's something to do with the tree of life and I can't remember exactly what that is but if somebody was to read up on it you, you'd see but that's built into all their jewelry everything that they do has some element okay. of that in it yeah. Like, yeah. is it Chippendale furniture that have a little mouse on or something like that? That's exactly it. Yeah, that is exactly yeah. it, yeah. And how is it mined, do we know? I don't know much about that, to be honest. Okay, so no, I don't know much. Hand, do we know off that food? No, no, it, it's... it's, it's um, I would suggest it is mined in a modern way now. Um, purely for safety, I would yeah. think, you know. Not dwarfs or anything like that, well, you know... No, no, they used they used all them up when it kept collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> although, onto the, onto although, if you're really looking for a job, so, yeah, that's right. right. Sorry, I can't. No, just looking for a job. That's well, that was my next line. You, you took it away from me. Yeah. yeah so it is quite a, a specialised thing, but not out of the reach of people either. You know, you can buy one of those sort of um, I'm going to say run-of-the-mill pieces. Um, uh, just over the counter at one of their shops um, but what you'll find is it's only a tiny 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 amount of clog eye gold in it and the rest so if you bought a ring the little like we said mouse for Chippendale whatever the little marker would be proper clog eye and the rest of the ring would just be general gold our, our wedding rings are pure clog eye gold wedding ring there. fascinating thank you for sharing that with us that's quite all right thank you Adventures in a Tuk-Tuk is sponsored begrudgingly by Waterside underscore calligraphy. Before we left, we just had time to grab a great cup of coffee at the Hafford Hotel a few hundred metres from Devil's Bridge. If you stand outside and look up at the generous overhang of the eaves, it might remind you of an alpine chalet. The original hotel was enlarged by the Duke of Newcastle in the 1830s when the Alpine roof was fitted. Further alterations were made by 1905, perhaps in response to a large influx of tourists from Aberystwyth. I retired the day before this, so um, this is a very welcome relax, change, holiday, take it at a different pace, and it's just been great. Right, so, so you've only just retired? Yeah, midnight before this started. All right. Yeah. What uh, what planes did you fly? Oh, all sorts. I was in the Air Force and flew uh, Vulcan bombers. Okay. Uh, tornado fighters. A proper yeah. pilot. Yeah, and then I went into commercial aviation and laterally flew um, jumbos, 747 jumbos, and right. then Boeing 787 Dreamliners. Right. And in between lots of other different sorts of airplanes. So a fair old spread of different types, which I really enjoyed doing. But So what's your favourite plane ever to chipmunk. get in and fly? A chipmunk. A chipmunk. Is that a, little, a baby one? Yep, a little one, two-seat uh, thing. I'm fortunate enough to have a little share in one. Right. But I'm very lucky. I've flown all sorts of airplanes around air shows and things like Spitfires and, and laterally around the air shows of Vulcan Bomber, um, which is a great privilege to do. But, uh, yeah, I've finished now and, yeah, I just are like you, it. Are you missing it already? No. No? No, no. Maybe in time, but I'll still do a little bit of flying light airplanes doing... Mm instructing people uh, just giving my knowledge to other people and uh, an experience but yeah, I'm, I feel very lucky and very fortunate that the my retirement from 
the travel industry happened when it did because right. the whole thing, as you know, has all gone a bit pear-shaped for a couple of years, so I'm yeah. just lucky. Did very well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know because you don't look at what people get. You? you just you do something too. No, I don't. No, they just they just bung it in the box. Who are you raising money for? I'm raising money for the Rosie May Foundation. There it is on the bucket. On the bucket, which is rosiemay.com if you wish to log on and contribute. I'm Phil. I'm a volunteer with the Rosie May Foundation. And you're here, so here today. for the UK Tuk Tuk Challenge. As a parent myself of three daughters, I can't begin to comprehend that what that must have been like. But Mary um, channeled that grief, I think, into trying to do something positive, basically, and set up the foundation. Rosie May was, the, uh, was her daughter's name. And um, set up basically an international charity which has done a lot of amazing work in places like Nepal. Uh, Building a school, rebuilding a school after an earthquake. She's done the charity's done a lot of work, work in Sri Lanka, in particular, where again I wasn't particularly aware of it. There's a major issue of sexual harassment of women there, and the link with the tuk-tuk is they provided tuk-tuks to women so that they can transport themselves and their children to to, to school and to work without sexual harassment. So that that. That's, that's what the charity's been doing, and, and a whole load of other projects. But basically, they, were already, they bought the tuk-tuk to, I suppose, as a kind of a way of raising the profile of the charity. But at the same time, they realised that they want to do more work within the local community of Bingham and the surrounding area. And strangely, the pandemic has given us, because we're part of it now, an opportunity to do some really good stuff. The Elam Valley Visitor Centre is operated by Welsh Water and is set in a fantastic location against a spectacular backdrop of a Victorian stone dam. We arrive mid-afternoon after an amazing drive past all of the dams in torrential Welsh rain. And I spoke to Mike Booth, the Elam Valley Visitor Centre Manager. Fantastic that you're here today in the Elam Valley. No, Unfortunately, we don't have the sun, but no. what we do have is a wonderful atmosphere. Yes. And so you could be anywhere in the world. Because it's absolutely marvellous here. We've come all the way down uh, from the uh, Devil's Bridge. Devil, fantastic. Yes. Over the mountains. Over the mountains. And, and then through the Allen Valley, vi down here to the visitor centre. Yes, yes. Well, you're now part uh, on uh, Welsh Waters land. We own 72 square miles, which is 1% of Wales. So as you came over the mountains up to the top and everywhere down here into the valley is all uh, part of the Welsh Water network of yeah. reservoirs. And it's a stunning place. And so you could be anywhere in the world, couldn't you? Could and there's three dams, isn't there? No, there's six dams. There's six dams. Yes. That shows how much I know. We, we've, I'll, I'll let you have a map and so you can see the whole estate yeah. that we've got. But yes, there's six dams. We've got reservoirs which feed from here right the way over to uh, Birmingham. That's right, because you're the main supplier for Birmingham. Right? It is, yes. So they're all built for that purpose. Although they do follow, they do release water down the valley into the Wye Valley and then further on down to South Wales as well. So it's very carefully managed, is it? 
Absolutely, yes. There was a team of uh, dam safety um, staff on site and get inspected every single day, yes. Oh, OK, that, that's rigorous. Oh, yes, yes. And if you went down to Clarewind Dam, which is just um, four miles down the road, you'll see um, during the week they've been doing some gardening, right. weeding the dam. So that you, so everything is very very carefully managed. And how's the water quality monitored? Well, the water quality, the whole. This is why we own 72 square miles, that we can control all the water catchment area, and we can manage what actually comes off the hills and goes into the water. That is always. Um, that's always tested regularly yeah. and when the water is extracted from here it goes through another filtration point before it goes into the uh, into the pipes off to Birmingham. Okay and how big is that pipe? How wide is that pipe that goes to Birmingham? I think you could probably walk it but okay. uh, I wouldn't because uh, there is a there is a siphon part way through but it's all uh, fed by gravity. Right. So there's no pumps, uh, fed by gravity, and it takes three or four days to get to, to Birmingham. And when, we, when was this, all this built? Um, first dams were end of the 18, uh, 1890s. Um, Clarewind Dam was opened by the Queen in 1952. Her first official duty um, was to come here and open this brand new dam, which is a huge dam that we've got. Yes. yes. So um, as we came down, that was obviously the top dam we saw. There wasn't any other dams above that, was there? No. So what you've seen is a series of, uh, of cascading dams going yes. the way down, although one dam is underwater. Right, OK. Yes. We can be forgiven for not seeing that. <laughs> for not seeing that one. That's right. So it can be managed throughout the year, different water levels. And we also produce hydroelectrics. So the visitor centre here has been connected this year to hydroelectrics and the water produces electricity enough for about 3,500 homes okay, for a year. Local homes? Well, it, it goes, goes into, into the, the national grid okay. and it's equivalent of um, about 3,500 homes as well. But, uh, oh, is the visitor centre fully open now after Covid? Or? We are fully open but with controlled measures, yes, so reduced capacities yeah. and uh, we've taken the opportunity to create some more meeting rooms well and uh, change where the shop is to create a larger shop right. so that we can move people around much yeah. easier because of the controlled um, activities that we've got to put in place. Yeah. Jim, you were closed for three months or so? We were closed, we did open up for local uh, visitors when we were allowed to, which was a five mile distance, so radar was opened up for the car park. But yes, we've, we've been closed, but uh, it doesn't mean to say we've been quiet. We don't know exactly how many visitors. They've t the visitor centre, we have about a quarter of a million visitors a year just to this, this one spot. Um, but a lot of people drive through, if they've been here before, they'll drive through and they won't come here necessarily, as I say. They can approach from some, any direction. <laughs> so, uh, yes. It's, well, a lot of people come here and they just stop off en route somewhere else, yes. discover it for the first time, and then come back specifically yeah. to come here. But we have a lot of bird watchers because from where you're standing now, we've got two peregrine falcons nesting up on the on the hillside beyond, and we get the rad kites, etc. Yeah, what we have is a, a fantastic area for uh, mountain bikes and uh, and long distance walk walks through this area. Um, but people come here just to have a little drive around 
through and the scenic views, whether that's on motorbikes or cars, just a fantastic location. A but we're not as busy as journey. places like the Brecon Beacons and Snowdonia. Snowdonia is absolutely and ridiculous at times now. It, it is. And it's such a shame for the area. It is, yes. Um, we're an international dark sky site, so all the 72 square miles is, part, is a, an international dark sky park. Yeah which means we have no electricity, no lighting, etc. over the whole estate, so it's kept dark. In fact, the farms beyond this point are not on mains electricity. They're on generators and they've got well water, etc. So we're very, very remote. And one, one, of the, uh, one of the challenges is making sure that whilst this is very popular with visitors, we respect all the locals. Yeah. But, but we are part of the Cambrian Mountains. Beyond this point, you go into proper wilderness, something yeah. which a lot of people don't get a chance to experience. Oh, that's right. And they think they've got to go somewhere else around the world to experience this, but actually... There is, there, there is not a lot of mobile signal in that direction. Uh, beyond this dam, 100 yards away, no mobile signal, yeah. no electricity, yeah. no mains water. Uh, when you go past there, you are into wilderness. And it's like heaven. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. One of the nice things about this area is, as well, it's open access. So when the Birmingham Corporation bought the land, they did, they they controlled where the fences go, where people can wander, and it is for the public to enjoy. So we're Welsh Water, who are a um, not-for-profit organisation. So everything which goes into either coming here or the water that people buy, it goes back into helping protect the environment as well. And it's fantastic to have the opportunity to work on landscape scale um, conservation. Um, so that we've got the Allen, Tr uh, Allen Valley Trust, who manage a lot of the countryside here, and they look after it for conservation as well as for the tenants uh, and the public. Well, that's, thank you for talking to us. No, it's been a pleasure. You've enjoyed the, the tuk -tuk's. Come here. I want one. You want one, dear? So be an interesting way for the uh, the rangers to get about the estate. I think so. I think it's certainly noticeable. Yes. <laughs> Put some knobby tires on, it'd be brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Adventures in a Tuk Tuk's podcast. For more information on any of our podcasts, please go to my website, adventuresinatuktuk. The Elan Valley was our final stop on this year's adventure. From there, we made our way back to the Albright Hussey Hotel in Shrewsbury for our celebration dinner. Julian Canal owns and runs Large Minority, and I spoke to him about his up-and-coming Italian tuk-tuk trips. We have like a local supplier that has a bunch of apes who I know quite well, and, and they, they they own them, so we essentially rent them. So so a large part of that is is the first the first day is training them, training them, showing them how to drive, so they don't turn them over. Well, it's not turning them over. It's, it's to be honest. It's, it's, it's the gears with the clutch on the left hand handlebar and getting them not to to crunch the gearbox. Because if you can't, if you don't drive them properly, you know you're broken down within within two hours. If you're if you're if you're grinding the clutch the, the clutch, <clears throat> no chance. 
No, I understand. But isn't it, isn't it a case of if you've, if you've drove a motorbike... If you've, if you've driven a motorbike, it's it's a huge advantage yeah. because you, you get the, the concept of the gears with the clutch and, the, and, and changing with your feet or at least the concept of having it. Yeah. Whereas if you've only driven a car... Um, Obviously, you've driven a manual, but still, you know, you, the, the gear stick is, is, yes. is on the left-hand side, or it's just a different concept. And bringing, bringing in the clutch on your handlebars as opposed to with your, with your feet, it's, 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 that, that's what it takes getting used to. Or Tiptronic. Or Tiptronic, if, yeah. if you've got a nice fancy Porsche and a Ferrari, then hey. Yeah. I wonder if Tiptronic will ever come to a trip to it. I, th I think I automatic. Or, I think automatic is is inevitable. I mean, it's only a matter of time. What? Why they don't have most of them automatic already is beyond me. But the guy uh, Bruce Haxton Tarlin has had a couple of his tie chips converted to automatics because he has a lot of American customers as well. So they are all used to. I just think the tie tuk-tuks are a different vehicle to to these. Yeah, they are totally different. But I mean, no, they are difficult. They are difficult, but just the actual engine capacity. You know, you're you're almost in a you know in a tie tuk-tuk. You're in a um, you know, small sports car to a certain extent, like very, very nimble handlebars on the front, but with a big engine. Yeah, it's a 650. It's 650, yeah. Normally 600, 650. Um, so it just makes it, it just makes it very, very, very different. You know, you've got the, you've got the speed, the power. Um, whereas these things, the beauty of them, in my view, anyway, is is that it's that balance between a bike and a car. It's open-sided. It's it's you know it's if if you're a biker like I, I ride bikes like you know I, I love motorbikes, but it's a different trip. It's a complete you know if you're a biker it's power it's speed it's adventure on the motorbike. Yeah, for me it's like the accessibility that it gives of when you're you know just because the speed naturally is quite slow. You've got the open side, so that gives the access. Um, so you're more open than a, than a car, a lot, a lot more. And it's that balance that that's the, the the best part of the best part about it. And of course, the quirkiness of the vehicle. Like the vehicle is, you know, it looks funny, maybe a bit stupid, but whatever. But it, that's what is attractive to it to the engine on your tuk-tuk that makes it so quick nothing because you came past us yesterday like we were standing still and I was off the top of the clock what you got on the end of yours 70 80 kilometers an hour 80 kilometers an hour and it was well past the end of the clock you could lose the grass to lose a bit of weight uh, uh, so who's got the fastest tuk-tuk what's the fastest one uh, oh, probably here. we know who's the fastest driver yeah. <laughs> No, I no. It, it, it's definitely not fast. I have a suspicion it's this one. The I think one. it's the the, the, the pink one. one. The pink one is the fastest no, one. No, no, it's this one. The white one. 
It's definitely fast. So he doesn't want to tell us what he's done no, to no, his they're engine. No, no, they all pretty much the same Because he's a engine. true racer. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much the same engine. He's got yeah. racing at heart and knows the trade secrets you're asking him for. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, that pink one is the racing main one. That's what you do. You're on the wrong side of the road. Exactly. It's how you take the corners, you know, touch and kissing the apex. wheel drive or four wheel? Front wheel. Rear wheel. Rear wheel drive. They all rear wheel drive. The pink one is the fast one. That's punchy. It goes. Have you missed him? Yeah, of course. Yeah. First time that he's left me. Oh, is it? First time Oh, you ever. leave him all the time, do you? Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> Not all the time, but I have right. done, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been right behind me for days. Has he? Has he? I, I, is he, is he being annoying? I've been trying to shake him. <laughs> you know, good. Tom Jones. Fucking Tom Jones. <laughs> that old Tom Jones. <laughs> Bit of BGs as well. Yeah. He, 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 he Look is. Look at you grinning from here, too. You look brown. Have you had your head out the window or it's something? It's sunbathing, isn't it? It's sunbathing. Yeah, on top of his... So yeah, it's been it's been quite a success. Good, yes, yes. good. She's far too good for you. She's done well for herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's the other way around. But like, you know, there's like your life is in that. That's how I. That's the tuk-tuks. That's like tuk-tuk culture. That's like, you know when you're in India and you're in Sri Lanka, wherever you see them, that's their life is their tuk-tuk. That is their life. That's their business. Their life, and that's just that's your life. That, that is. is life, it's yes. amazing. There is nothing more important to James than the tuk-tuk. You know, do know that. There is love in that tuk-tuk. <laughs> yes. like, it's full yeah. of love. Yeah. 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 And the solar panel. Come on. <laughs> Arif, come here and talk to me. Go on then, what can I say? You're in the bloody van all the time. What's going on? Uh, too much tuk-tuk time for me. Too, too much tuk-tuk time? Too much tuk-tuk time. You, uh, yeah. There was a lot of uh, it. The, the most I've ever driven in one consecutive stretch was probably about 15 minutes right. since I've owned it. This is like 15 hours a yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. Too it's much. Too much. Too much. So I just literally wanted to break it up. Yeah. So I did a couple of hours today, yeah. a couple of hours in the van. I enjoyed you that. Basically, took it out for me. Didn't you? Yeah, I took it out. You warm up, don't you? Yeah. You're the warm up yeah, man. I'm, I'm the warm up man. There we are. Okay. So uh, just remind me of your name again. Uh, Arif. No, no. Yes, Arif. Oh, oh, Rusky Weld shit. That's, is that what the team was called? That's the yeah, team's that's name. My Rusky Weld shit. Well, world as in W R O. Uh, weld as in, uh, as in okay. soldering welding. Rusty world shit. Yes. Yeah. It must have taken you seconds to make that up. Oh, he ask him. It's his. It's right. his. It's his thing. I'm contributing to. I that. understand the rusty, right? I yeah. understand the world. Where's yeah. the shit coming? Because <laughs> there was no shit in the last three days. It's the driving quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. For, for starters, it was uh, more of a tongue-in-cheek yeah. joke from one of my friends. We have a little group on WhatsApp. Okay. And uh, we're all from the same forum. We all like cars. We all have like fast Audis and we do truck days and stuff. Yeah. And um, because I fabricate and build things and stuff like that, uh, and being Russian, Rusky, yeah. Yeah. Um, he kind of made this like all oh, Rusky well shit as an hashtag. Yeah. Um, when I show them something, and it's like, yeah, but shit in this sense is not no, no. shit as in bad shit, but yeah. it's almost like, oh, that's good shit. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of like Rusky well shit, but it's supposed to be one word, so it's not a swear word, it's not, it's no. just like 
There's a, there's a few hashtags out there under that, yeah. is there? So it, it's... Okay. So I may at some point just do that hashtag and, and see what happens. By all means. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's um, yeah, and I kind of, I kind of like this name because it's, you know, um, a lot of my stuff is a little bit MacGyver and unorthodox. Yeah. Um, I have this reputation where I don't really plan anything. I'm just like, right, let's just chop this up and start building it all together. And okay. usually it all come, come, comes okay. up to be quite, quite nice. But yeah. You're very competitive, aren't you? Me? No. I beat him at Snooker yesterday. Did, oh, did, no, did you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Tell the lovely, lovely audience uh, what happened on the first game. He beat me on the first game because so I that's made it. All that's mis- all you need to know. No. That's it. And uh, on, on this note, the podcast is over. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to some of our highlights of the first UK Tuk Tuk Challenge. It was a fantastic experience and we met some incredible people along the way. I'm already working on next year's route. See you soon. For more details on this show or any of my other podcasts, head over to my website, adventuresinatuktuk.com. This has been a CMP production of the following Tuktuk. Adventures in a Tuktuk is sponsored begrudgingly by Waterside underscore calligraphy. <laughs>